0: We have some level of competency here on the podcast. Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I'm Peter Hostrosser, and that is Allie Privet. How are you doing, Allie?
1: I don't know what side you're going to be on. Um, I'm doing well. Yeah, And I know, like, whenever the videos come on, I'm like, am I looking at uh, Peter in this one, or am I looking away from him? You never know. Um, The... We are coming off of a, a very unique podcast that we wanted to bring to you all for for months. Um, so if you haven't gone and listened to Josh Scuba's uh, episode from last week, and his message is so disruptive. Like I, since being on the podcast, I don't think I've heard a message that has white put me on my heels as much as his in mm-hmm. terms of just timeliness in uh just to kick it off you know when there've been so many conversations over the years with technology and growing up in a in a technological world where you know i i would say like oh you know i remember when you know i would go out and play and i wouldn't be thinking about the next screen i would be on and i and at some point you know i'd be like oh that's what real freedom was that was what that's what childhood was and what really pierced my heart was thinking about kids today they don't necessarily have that and they may not have even had a choice
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: really got me thinking um what about you Peter? What what was kind of like something that just you know like what even like made you want to get him on the podcast? Because I mean well I know but I mean tell our yeah. listeners.
0: Yeah, well I think I mean honestly it was it was how he engaged an entire room of consumers like of of you know social media consumers. Um and um I didn't have to like do my normal routine at the beginning of a class it was like, I was like, go ahead, man. And he started, I mean, I gave a quick introduction to him in each one of the classes, but when he started, everybody was just kind of like phones down and was like, what, what's this guy talking about? He was engaging from step one. And, you know, like you said, he was like, I think the one thing that got everybody to do it was he was like you're consuming your 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 attention has been stolen from you that still didn't get it and then it was like and guess what it's not it, it's probably not your fault and then everybody was like wait what and that and that was it like and it wasn't it wasn't like the sales hook it was the truth right and and it was such a truth bomb kind of like the way that you um, engaged in thinking about it. And I engaged in thinking about it because I was like thinking, ah, you know, these kids will never see a rotary phone, you know, because I'm that old. But, and then you're thinking, well, why would they? You know, it, does that make it better or does it make it worse? And then, so, like you said, all these emotions come come into play. And then, you know, just the authenticism of, you know, his 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 message and I'll link it into this uh episode if I didn't on the last one but um the the first rant that he had is very very powerful he didn't show it in the in the presentations he showed a little bit of it but um he didn't show the whole thing and it it basically you you're watching somebody actually find their why
1: mm-hmm. in life
0: like it's very cool mm-hmm. it was very cool
1: I mean, when you think about uh kind of unplugging from this machine, you know, or the Matrix or however you want to view it, it his kind of uh rant post that got put him on the map felt like that it felt like he yeah. had like unplugged himself and was like alive and awake for the first time and <clears throat> I think it is so easy to be lulled into a false sense of kind of ease and comfort in social media and it it, it is so easy to in any kind of silence or gap to fill it mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. social media and you're not even aware of it because it's been for for me and you it has been a gradual increase into our lives like there. I never felt like social media was controlling my time or my attention until suddenly it was. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, even listening to him and in, 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 in his experience, it's like, that's why I think the message is so timely is because it's like, you don't, you don't even realize like how it can kind of seep in until it it reach, reaches this like mass this tipping point so mm-hmm. to speak of like it's too much and now i'm sad all the time or i'm i'm downtrodden or i'm depressed or i'm i'm not in tune with how i'm really feeling and then you seek this quick dopamine hit yeah. right this this like rush this instant gratification but then you seek it more and more and more often. Like, I remember this statistic um, from back in the day of like, oh, you know, people pull out their phones like 10 times in an hour. And I remember thinking, wow, that's crazy. Right. And people will pull out their phone 10 times in 10 minutes now. Yeah. Like, that, thats that wouldn't even impress anyone nowadays. They'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, wow, that's actually low.
0: Right, right, yeah. So I think um, along with that, I remember when um, you know the the phone, like you know the iPhones were coming out and that, right? So I'm just kind of going to go back into my history of it. Um, you know, it was the iPod and everything, and then I went to like iPhones and everything, and then you would see people um, on commercials sitting outside, like watching the game, like on their phone or watching a show on their phone, and I'm like, this is so dumb. Why would anybody do this? Right. It's a beautiful day. They, I remember I remember the commercial to this day. They're like somebody sitting in a like nice outdoor cafe, look like in New York or somewhere. And they're just watching this little phone. And I'm like, how ridiculous is that? And now it's here. Right. Um, so, you know, but I still go back to those moments and I try to figure out, okay, what, what am I using this for? And, you know, yes, there are times when I consume myself. However, it's like, I've got, I've made this thing in my head where I have to, I have to create four times, five times as much as I consume. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I look at my numbers and I do on my phone, you look at your stats all the time. And by the way, I think it's over 10 hours A week on average that teenagers spend like on TikTok alone. Um, I think I saw nine and a half, but that's a week. I'm thinking it's probably more now uh, on average, but um, anyway, so like I look at those numbers and I'm like, okay, I was on like Instagram for this amount of time, but I know I was like uploading, you know, maybe some, you know, things that are, that are happening and creating. Um, But you're very cognizant of it. And I think what josh does is make students aware of it and then they can start to have the freedom to make decisions right it's just like you're supposed to do this but you don't know why you're doing it and then now like when somebody gives you that worldview change um which was his post was a worldview change um i think it it just gives students gives younger people the opportunity to see in the field differently i i had a girl you know uh two three weeks ago um she got her phone taken away and i i looked at her in class and she was smiling and i i haven't seen you smile all year and i didn't say it in front of everybody i just kind of told her that you know, it's not like I'm going to announce that in front of everybody. I was like, I haven't seen you smile a year. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you're always just looking down like intently at your phone and it's not here. And she now from that point on, she realized, you know, and and I was like, do you now know what Josh said? And she was like, oh, my gosh, I get it. Like, she still consumes, but, you know, there's it's different. So, and, and yeah, Josh brought it.
1: It is different and it is. It's like the stages of awareness of a problem, mm-hmm. like you, you can't solve a problem you aren't aware of, right? Yeah. If you are, you know, it was really interesting when he was talking about how, you know, himself and and others in the Gen Z uh, generation mm-hmm. have this large sense of disillusionment because they felt like they've grown up and only heard all these negatives and things that are wrong with the world and it's front and center all day every day. And social media is a place where they can watch funny videos and and kind of not think about maybe all of these pressing global problems that mm-hmm. they don't feel any connection with other than it's just been kind of put upon them. But then they're they're not even realizing that by like switching to this social media environment that is grabbing their attention and people make a lot of money from that attention that they it it then can spark all other sorts of issues and i can remember so many young women in my classes um that when phones, like my first year teaching, you know, it was maybe like half of the kids had phones. And then mm-hmm. by year five, it was like odd if they didn't have phones, every right. single one, um, for sure by junior year. And then it was like by my last couple of years uh, in the classroom, you know, every student as a freshman had phones. And I, I can just remember the change of, of seeing when girls got their phones, how much more they cared about how they looked mm-hmm. and what they wore. And I mean, that's always, like, you know, a, a huge part of the social environment in high school, but the comparison game. I just remember this one girl telling me, you know, like, she felt like she had to watch these makeup tutorials so that she would be liked
0: mm-hmm.
1: at school. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the message that she she probably didn't even realize, like, what she had said, but, like, right she was internalizing that she wasn't good enough based on what she was watching on a screen. And it's like such a formative, year, such formative years. Josh totally talked about this and like, they don't even necessarily have a choice of what is being thrust upon them Mm -hmm. and how that could influence the trajectory of their mental health, their social health, their like emotional regulation. Like all of that is so critical at those ages. And we're just, just handing them a device that can can impact every area of their, of their well-being. Mm-hmm. And there are consequences to that. There's also opportunities
0: mm-hmm.
1: to kind of redesign that usage, which is what Josh and why I think his message is so powerful is because it's like waking you up to what could be happening.
0: You mentioned the matrix. So I'm thinking, you know, like when they unplug neo right like he's like what like it's and then you're in this pod i mean there's there's a lot of interesting things it was kind of like that and you know the the three the three areas that he talks about being human with it is um i have them written down here somewhere um basically being a cure creator right and and I, I identify mostly as a creator but a curator is meaning like you're putting and then re putting out stuff that are are gathering and tagging things that you're interested in so you're curating things and then the challenger which was the route or is the route that you took is like i'm just going to challenge myself and and it, it, it actually like it makes sense for everybody when he said it and you know he's still early on in in what he was doing when he was going through that but he gave the kids a handout um and and everything so it's kind of funny you're getting a handout on social mm-hmm. media but you know 90% of the kids held on to them right because usually kids will be like ah whatever but um but yeah those three areas were very interesting and it actually made a lot of sense for me to understand you know you know having kids actually think about this right not necessarily like think that it's a bad thing but think about where their attention is going and why it's going there. I think one of the biggest challenges that um, he didn't talk about, but I don't think it's like his niche, but like is the vulnerability. How do you get somebody to become vulnerable to to create or to put themselves out there or to do something like that? So it, it, I think it, it goes back to those same age old uh, education strategies of building confidence Right, Mm -hmm. and and now it's even more a steeper climb. Right, so it's not like just giving a presentation in front of your peers in a classroom, like you're you're now on. You have access to a world stage, and if somebody makes the wrong move, then it could go viral for the wrong reasons and such. So, um, I you know, Josh touched on those things, but I think you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know, power there, but there's also a lot of you know, I don't know. Like, it, it can be a, a a bit scary when you do that. But I think becoming vulnerable, um, which is very interesting, when when students are constantly consuming, they're just consuming other people who are vulnerable, right? Like, and they, mm-hmm. and they're stepping out, um, whether they're they're failing or or um, you know, um, succeeding. It, you know, but again, you get a lot of those people out there on, on social media that are succeeding, you know, in a way where it's monetary or, uh, you know, objectivity or, or whatever. You know, I've got a Ferrari, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they, if I just put out, you know, my good old Toyota Corolla and I'm just like, I'm just going to, you know, Arby's, then you feel like a failure. But why? You know, it's interesting. It's a huge psychology experiment.
1: Oh, which I think it's cool that his, you know, his psych degree and everything is kind of springboarding this. And to that kind of point, there's a, this is a totally different direction. I'm going to be vulnerable here in a show that I've watched. I think you watched too, Um, but I won't call you out. So you don't have to share if you don't want to, but it is this kind of rise of this, this influencer um, culture. Mm-hmm. And um uh, so the Bachelor and the Bachelorette has been a show that's been on totally watched social... it. Yep. Okay, right. So it's been on before social media, mm-hmm. and you know if you don't watch the show or you know like basically it's a it's a ridiculous show. You know people what? fall in love. What do you talk,
0: Bachelor Nation? Are you not a part of it?
1: Oh, I am. But I'm okay. saying it, it, when you really think about it, it is a ridiculous show.
0: Absolutely.
1: But if you look at it from like the good old days with like trista the original bachelorette Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she's still married to ryan and all of this and it was like this really organic experience yes there were Mm -hmm. cameras and 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 everything but the people who were on the show were on there for a very authentic experience come in the last like especially the last like five years of the Mm -hmm. show and i would say the last five years of a lot of of this this reality yeah reality Mm -hmm. has been like i want to i want to post or i want to be on television so that i can get paid by companies to promote their products and so most of the people going on these shows are not going on to authentically find love which creates all this ridiculous good quote-unquote television drama but like Mm -hmm. i actually really don't even like the show that much anymore because it's like gone so far away and just the evolution of that show though i feel like is how social media creeps in and it disrupts like what can be a really organic development process for students and it kind of makes you feel inadequate because your daily life isn't this you know travel around the world glitzy glam like all of this very unrealistic expectations and so then Mm -hmm. to your point like you think like oh going to arby's and driving my old car isn't interesting so then it's like this it's like trying to feed a certain lifestyle and a certain expectation that is so unrealistic but you don't even realize that it's not realistic because you don't have normal comparison points Mm
0: -hmm. yeah right so i mean what i'm going to challenge a lot of educators that are my age older right i want you to go back and think about the kid in the classrooms in your elementary school not not as a teacher but you're a student right or you're in middle school or whatever and i was this kid like in were windows and you would stare out the window right so staring out the window was your escape or you might like talk to somebody but they were pretty strict back then in my day anyway in my experiences but like you could stare out the window and everybody, like a lot of students would stare out the window, right? You're bored, you don't have anything or draw or whatever, but that's how you would take care of your boredom and stare out the window. I still remember third grade Ms. Campbell's room staring out the window. I I could tell you the, well, because the playground was out there and you're like, Mm -hmm. who's out there, you know? Mm. Well, now the window is this little digital window, right? Mm. And so it's been replaced, but there wasn't like, there were days where I'm staring out the window, you know, and there was nothing going on, but it was just outside. Right. But if you can imagine like outside that window, there were clowns, there was a parade every day, there was fireworks, there was, and now, you know, now we can understand what's happening in the little window. In front of people right now I haven't really seen any kids watching clowns or fireworks but it's the dopamine kick now that they've kicked up that they can put anything in that window that's going to give you attention right so and you grew up that way and that's what I really like the way that that Josh kind of put it out there and he's really cross-generational he really is you know he he really understands and I don't know how but he understands Gen X, he understands the millennials, he understands Gen Z. Um, One thing though that I have noticed about Gen Z, a little bit of a difference between the millennials and Gen Z is, I, and maybe they're just not admitting it, but Gen Z is not so much influenced anymore. Like mm-hmm. they can call out a fake influencer or somebody trying. And I think it's just been, you know, it's like anything, it's been overused, right? Like. Mm-hmm i can go uh, the the funny thing is like gen z will make fun of people like sitting on a corvette that's not theirs you know and and they they'll call them out they're like ah, it's not your car or whatever you know um so it's interesting how it is evolving as well generally generationally um but still the dopamine is there right and and regardless mm-hmm. of what the dopamine is so Uh, Yeah, I just, I just wanted to imagine that because I do remember me looking out of the window. And then when I see a student like on their phone, like when I'm like, oh, you have so much potential. There's a piece of me that like gets angry inside and I'm like, oh, why is this kid on their phone? And then I had to think, well, I was looking out the window and I didn't have what they have. So, you know, you go from there.
1: Everyone's journey is is different, uh, but I'm a huge advocate of boredom. Yeah. And, and that we all need more of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, boredom looks like, you know, driving in your car with nothing like no podcast, no music, no, no anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think I've shared this on the podcast before. Um, I, I, when I run, so I'm a big runner. Mm-hmm. Um, I am what uh, I'm in the the group of, we call ourselves like purist runners in that we don't have audio. Um, we run to listen to our breathing and the sights and sounds around us. And it's very visceral experience and it's not easy because you're not distracted from the pain of running. And I will also add that like, I am not one of those people that you see out running that look like. There are, you know, like a bird flying down the road. You know, like just, I. It's tough for me. Like I've run Uh, marathons and and been challenged every step of the way. mm. It. I do the practice because I mean the dopamine is really great afterwards, Mm. an endorphin high that you get from running, but the, the amount of times that that run, um, and for some people it's walking, but Mm -hmm. being unplugged from anything other than your thoughts is, has given me so many kind of life changing moments. Um, One of, one of the times that I moved was immediate. Like I knew I had to like make a big change in my life immediately following a run. Mm-hmm. And it, and it was that not being plugged in anything. It's, it's your version of staring out the window. And mm-hmm. when you are, if you're not aware of the fact that you are kind of distracted by your phone mm-hmm. and it's taking all of your attention, it's really hard to make change because it's just part of your your normal routine. And so, and and for educators, right, who are just trying to, to survive the day and they don't want to like, you know, blow up the classroom and like make all their kids take out their phone because they know they're going to get a big resistance. It's like, josh's message is good to hear that you can there's another way around it i mean Mm -hmm. i am definitely a challenger of of social media and i don't necessarily agree with with josh's full approach Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. i mean in that i would personally go more the route of like of the subtraction but he does that by adding and for me that was such a game-changing switch to his message this is like when you add things to your life that are fun and in real time in person, you don't feel like you're missing out on anything that's on your phone. Mm-hmm. And so the more as an educator, you can kind of add
0: mm-hmm.
1: and make learning, is no call out to educators who are doing amazing work, but it's just like, when you can find a way that does get your students engaged and they don't want to be on their phones, you know, you're onto something. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I, you know, like try, be experimental in what you do or try because like, now is the time to make right. learning different and spark a, a change and bring that message to students who, who may not even be aware of their consumption habits and, you know, doing it in a way that's additive for me was was a huge kind of shift even being a challenger of that big machine Mm -hmm. um is that you can you can challenge it but approach it from like a more positive way than just like it's all bad
0: yeah i think there is a there is a challenge um in adding i will and i'm with you there right like i that's one thing i i kind of questioned i'm like okay so you're, you're a young person, 16, 17 years old, like you've, you've sought out these dopamine kicks constantly, right? And then maybe you realize it right now, right? But you developed a habit, right? And then, you know, there's only so much time as an educator that I have with a student. So I have to try to figure out different habits. You know, what, what I see a lot, different habits actually, um, you know, work into a period of time right? So, and that's a very difficult thing. So there's one way that I've seen certain educators do this. I don't like this way. And I think this attributes to the stress of students, but who am I to say, right? But it's just jam as much information and and as much work into a point where the kids don't have time to be on their phones, right? And I think that's the wrong way to go. But I, it, like, if you don't understand this, well, i I don't blame anybody. I don't blame teachers for doing that, but that's what happens. And I think that leads to where, um, students are stressed out and, you know, they're, they procrastinate, but then when they procrastinate in that kind of environment, then you have a, a very big stress happening. Now you have dopamine. That's not really, you know, it's just quick stuff. And then you wake up from it and then you have tons of work that you missed. Right. So, but I, I see how teachers are trying to figure this out. So my one question that I I didn't get to ask Josh, and maybe he doesn't know quite yet, is when you when you go into this, like I'll like students, teens, teens actually favor YouTube, by the way, over over TikTok. There's been studies um, when when they're kind of consuming, um, but that doesn't mean like TikTok is not prevalent, right? It's very prevalent. Um, but any anyway, in any of these pieces like if you ask a student now to google it ask siri go on tiktok to try to find the uh, uh, your community or, or an answer to something or you know something interesting about something you're interested in in business or art or, or whatever you run the risk of that student going down the rabbit hole then right so i've done it right like i've been looking up things i'm like oh i need to look up somebody on on instagram because I saw a post and I look it up and then 10 minutes later, I'm like five reels in and I'm like, what the hell is going on, right? It's, it, but but how do we, I don't wanna say combat, but how, how do we combat that, right? Like how do we teach young people to get into the habit where an alarm goes off and says, okay, I got my stuff where you're able to investigate on a platform like this for a purpose to either curate or create or to challenge and then get off of it right so that i think is the biggest challenge like for me is when i'm talking about students uh you know they want to go into business somewhere so i got a a young person who wants to be a real estate agent find me like somebody on linkedin or tiktok or somewhere who's a real estate agent and what are they doing and connect with them right somehow like interact with them like a video comment on their video try to get something but when they do that that takes maybe you know a couple of minutes and then 20 minutes later they're back into the old habit I think that's a very somebody comes up with that and if there's any listeners out there that has a strategy for that just a strategy not the strategy because there isn't one you got yourself a billion dollar idea right because I think that's the hardest part. Let's use social media, not be used by it. And how do we do that effectively? So I think that was like questioning. You know, how do you do that? Was was something that I, I wasn't ready to ask Josh because I don't think he's there yet. Um, but I think that's a that's a legit point that you're also bringing up. It's kind of going deeper into it.
1: After you hear the initial message, how long does it last? Right, yeah. like how do you? you know build a a totally different habit around social media and technology that you are immersed in mm-hmm. and that is a big big question that um everybody wants a different approach to it and there's a lot of money in this i mean in in thinking about schools and software and in technology how many Billions of dollars are wrapped up into that now mm-hmm. and um, funding for it mm-hmm. for, you know, like we, we brought it in, right? Like one-to-one devices and yep. and all of this is, is, a, you know, I it's a huge thing right now mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. access and COVID, the pandemic was like, everybody needs to have access to internet. And so it's like, it blew up like we allowed the the floodgates were kind of really open. And to me, that was a huge tipping point in the scales of of, um, technological consumption because we weren't allowed for a time, many of us to interact face to face. And so what then, what did we kind of get ourselves into? And I feel like we're kind of digging out of that now Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out like, what rabbit hole did I just put myself into? But when you're younger, you don't have all of those cognitive abilities to sort all that out. You're just thrust into it mm-hmm. and it's going to have effects on your life, whether or not you want wanted them there. And so it's it is, it, it is like, okay, being aware of it, now that I'm aware of it, the next step for Josh and anybody working on this is like, how do I recreate the habit? Yeah. And how do I add the right things that will last, um, you know, because we all have a plate and it has a certain amount of time and space. And many people feel like their plate is so full. So the idea of adding more to it is like, whoa, it's worse than subtracting. But it is almost like you don't even realize that you, you took things off of the plate before adding it or the that side of the plate just got cleared by you adding something um to it, and so I think adding the right things and really diving into community it in person. You know, Josh did say this. We're big advocates for it. Nothing replaces in real time mm-hmm. presence and and educational experiences. And I will I will say that you know. Josh did say that his favorite classes were the ones that were in person, even though he was maybe thinking about other stuff at times. But that human connection and being in real time is just going to continue to be ever more important. Um, and I, I think education. You know, it's like if you remember taking like typing classes or like, like how do you, how do you do use a word processor in English class? I can remember all those things. It's like we're going to need classes around like how to make the most out of your connection to technology. Right. Those need to be in the school system. It's not like personal mm-hmm. finance for all. It's like it's like technology and social media for all. Mm-hmm. How do you be deliberate with your usage of technology and that needs to come younger before you're finishing your senior year of college and you have this epiphany that oh my (laughs) gosh (laughs) right i'm in a machine and it's well (laughs) ingrained and i'm being used right i don't want people's wake-up call to be that i'm glad josh had it and he shared Mm -hmm. his message but like the the wake up call needs to be sooner or and parents mm. and educators can be a huge a huge advocate for like the detriments of not addressing that issue yeah. and like you know it being a cultural shift in how we use it and starting with people understanding the the pros cons consequences opportunities with allowing technology in your life that is kind of the stage i think we're at
0: yeah I'm going to throw a weird curveball in here, which will probably be another episode. But I did catch the fact that when Josh went to college, the motivation dropped. And I see this now, especially with seniors at this time of year, when they're like, I'm done with high school. I'm going to go to college and everything's going to change. And what I heard, and this is just Josh's experience I, by, you know, I don't want to say it's everybody's experience, was it is the same There's still the class and the structure are different. We'll have to talk about that on another episode because I want to talk to more college students about this. Um, that piqued my interest. Um, and I just liked the way he answered that question just authentically and just like, yeah, in my experience, it wasn't. So with that being said, how do you wrap up this wrap up with Josh, Allie? What are some final thoughts you have?
1: I would say, you know, his his catchphrase is humanizing the internet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, when I think of kicking off 2024 with the Disrupt Education podcast, I think about how are we humanizing education? And I think that is one of the most disruptive topics mm. out there right now because of AI, because of technology, because of the the pendulum is so far uh sitting in what software are we adding to the classroom? What what what's our next device gonna be and 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 how are we assigning homework on this integrated system and and it's what What smart boards, or what's the next, you know, mm-hmm. screen technology are we going to put into the classrooms? It's like we need more conversations around how are we humanizing the classroom? How are we connecting with students and you know, changing our relationship with social media to be proactive instead of reactive? And there's not a better message that I think we could have started. Um, in our first kind of series here with 2024. I know I was so excited to have this conversation with Josh. It's just the beginning for him, Mm -hmm. and it's just the beginning of the year for the podcast. And so if you're enjoying these types of conversations and deep dives into what are really, really important issues in education, you need to subscribe. You need to like and subscribe and follow us on all of the social media platforms. We, we get our information from the guests. Guess what? You can find us on TikTok, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. on There are websites that you search, Disrupt Education Podcast, yep. they'll all come up.
0: We're there. We We're are there. there to help you curate your ideas. How about that? Challenge them. Challenge them. And, and obviously them. create things. Well, I love this conversation I, and this definitely won't be the end of this conversation. Um and if you have any other kind of ideas and such, give us a shout out here. Um but we do appreciate you guys listening everybody out there. Um I I know that 2024 as as we're kicking it off here, we've we've went 3 in a row with amazing guests so far. Who knows how crazy this is going to get, but uh this is going to be a great year still. Um and uh you know, really appreciate you guys. And like Ali said, hit that subscribe button, share us out with some people who may need to hear this. We talk, we're talking real about education this year and uh authentic, real stuff and not fluff. How about that? We'll start there. We'll disrupt some more. Thank you all for Ali Privet. I'm Peter Hostrosser. Appreciate you guys, everybody listening. Um, and we'll catch you next time on the Disrupt Education Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Disrupt Education Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode.
1: Are you ready to disrupt the educational arena you're a part of? For more ways to get involved in the work we do here at Disrupt Education, check us out at DisruptEducation.co or find us on LinkedIn at Peter Hostraser or Ali Prippet.
0: Our mission here is to help facilitate and amplify changes in the educational system through local initiatives and help you scale them into community movements. Our building network of disruptors in education are working to move beyond scores and grades as the only measure for student learning. If your school district, college, campus, or organization is looking for facilitators of this work, reach out on our website or social media.
1: And if you have any thoughts or feedback on this week's episode or any episode, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep pushing the boundaries, taking risks, and most importantly, disrupting education.